podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Let's get ready to rumble! Hello and welcome to AI Faceoff. I'm your host Guy Drinkle as always and today we're going to be doing Liverpool's victory over Southampton which was 3-0 in the end and Liverpool fan joining me is Leanne Prescott. How are you doing Leanne? Yeah good thank you. Um, continue our positive start for the season so all good my end. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good, thank you. Yesterday definitely helped. <laughs> and unfortunately, I can't say this for the next person I'm introducing, but you heard him on the preview pod. It's Sam Cox. How are you doing, Sam? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me back on. Oh, any time, any time. Good sport coming on after a loss as well. <laughs> um, but but we'll start with, like we do every podcast, in the starting 11s. And um, Sam, I'll come to you on this one. You seem to, well, I'm not sure if it was meant to be a three at the back, but it seemed to change into one quite quickly with Bertrand playing left centre back. It seemed to change all the time. But what were your thoughts on the starting eleven with the with the two left backs kind of thing? Um, it was quite uh, a positive uh, for us because obviously it would have had, um, added a bit more stability at the back, of course, with the with the front three. We needed that cover there, um, and also with two sort of more attacking uh, full backs. It would have given us an outlet to to try and build any any attack that we did that we would uh, create, and um, we sort of saw that in the opening exchanges. I think Matt Target and Bertrand worked well down the left hand side to provide some balls into the box, but ultimately it's harder, easier said than done to keep out the the front three of Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Leanne, it wasn't just a front three yesterday, and that's probably the most interesting thing from our point of view is that Shakiri started kind of as the number 10 but it was also very fluid what what did you think about our starting 11 yeah I, I didn't think it was that unexpected to see Shakiri start given how positive Klopp had been about him in you know in in the pre-match talk um but yeah as you say he was kind of playing that number 10 role which I think he's really well suited to he's got kind of that creative side to his game we've seen that um even in his brief performances for Liverpool so far but also Stoke City days he's got that little bit of something about him he's got that movement and, and that creativity which is something that the front three uh, would have loved to have in the team and then we had Matip in which probably the more surprising change but I, again I can understand the need to give Joe Gomez a rest with so many fixtures coming up and then uh, Bobby back in after a brilliant goal in the Champions League so again not too many surprises there I think it's kind of a, a mixture at the moment of trying to balance the Premier League keeping up that momentum but also, Klopp won't want to field a really, really bad team on Wednesday because he'll want to keep up that momentum and that winning man- mentality. So by bringing in a couple of faces like Henderson and, and Shakiri, he's able to freshen things up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we'll, we'll talk a bit about the uh, Chelsea game at the end as well. But um, we'll get we'll get to the start then. And Leon, I'll, I'll stick with you. We, let's say the first 10 minutes or so it was more of a balanced game I mean I think Van Dyke cut out a few crosses if I remember correctly what what were your thoughts of the opening 10 minutes do you think it was going to be one of those days or were you quite confident yeah so I think as you said the first 10 minutes were pretty even it kind of looked like it could be one of those games where Southampton would frustrate us because I think a lot of the times in previous seasons when we've had these type of games the opposition they come in and they kind of park the bus they're really rigid in midfield and in defense and there was a couple of chances for Southampton as you said Van Dyke. he wasn't really troubled for most of the game but a couple of instances and you're thinking oh you know is this going to be a, a tough game but after those 10 minutes it did become very very easy for Liverpool uh sorry Sam <laughs> but um particularly second half you know it was, it was kind of a training ground exercise in the end um so yeah first 10 minutes still positive um but yeah you know you're thinking could this be one of those games where it could be a bit difficult yeah and same question for you Sam what did you make of the first 10 minutes before the goal well of course inside 10 minutes I thought um we we uh played to our, our our game plan it looked to be um a rigid sort of midfield of Romeo coming in and 
obviously we we would get enjoyed on the left hand side and putting balls in. Um, of course, with the absence of Danny Ings, we were we were light up front, and Shane Long was no um, natural goal scorer. Um, so uh, we were, I was quite um, pleased with our start. We looked a bit we looked bright and we looked positive, um, but again, we didn't really. Uh, take the chances we didn't really make do with the space that we 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 found in behind and it was it was difficult to see that promise early on and then it, it just fade away yeah I'll stick with you for this one let's talk about the first goal and your defense as well because obviously it's a new it's a new centre-back partnership that Hood's not really he didn't have the best first season if if, if I remember watching um, Saints last season he didn't seem to impress that much and you've obviously bought Vestergaard I think it was 18 20 odd million wasn't it yeah um, do you think they're the, they're the long not long term but do you think they're definitely going to be the starters I know you've got Jack Stevens is, is Yoshida still there um what 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 did you make of the first goal and your defense on the day well, when you play a team like Liverpool, especially away from home, you can't give them any edge. You can't give them any advantage. You have to be on top of your game in order to make sure they don't uh, take anything easily or, or take anything sort of for granted. And I think we, by the first goal, we we let Liverpool do that. I mean, Cedric um, allowed the cross to come in, and I think Hoyt got caught in two minds really about what to do. I think um, I, obviously from from watching the game, we can't hear what it's like from other players, but I'm not sure if there was a lack of communication between the centre half and the goalkeeper or, or or if he just made that decision himself. But I think he was wary about a player coming in behind him. He wasn't sure whether to clear it or, or try and sort of head, maybe head it or, or get it back to the goalkeeper. And he just, as he was caught in two minds, he did neither. And it just unfortunately came with his thigh and, and trickled in. Uh, going back to your question about the centre half partnership, I think Vestergaard, has shown glimpses of, of, of promise. I think he, he's definite improvement on what we had last season, which was an, in an experience, in, inexperienced centre back partnership with Hoyt and Jack Stevens. Um, you rightly said Hoyt didn't have the best of first seasons for us. Um, of course, in the relegation battle. And I think he started this season in the sort of the same, the same fashion. Um, he does, he appears to be a player, uh, lacking of confidence. Um, the signing of Vestergaard, I would have thought would have, of, raise that back up but mm. that's not to been the case so in, in from my opinion I think it's time for Hoyt maybe to drop out and as you say Mario Yoshida doesn't really put a foot wrong when he comes in Jack Stevens again a young centre-back um he I, I think firstly for, from a Stevens point of view a loan move this summer uh, in the summer could have kind of benefited him maybe to to a high-end championship team but a player I'd like to see more. He came on in the second half as Jan Benderak. He came in mm. last season due to due to injury, and and he didn't he didn't put a foot wrong. He what I like about Benderak is he does the simple things. He wins the ball and, and plays it out. He doesn't try to be too flashy on the ball or too casual on the ball. And I think it's maybe time Hoyt drops out and and we try and build a, a newer partnership. Easier said than done, however. Um, but Hoyt for me just both centre halves don't don't uh, possess a lot of pace and when you're playing a front through Liverpool as you said is a fluid with, with sheer Kiri and behind it's always going to cause problems so from that point of view I think it's it's, it's probably time that we, we see Hoy, Hoy drop out and, and give someone like Yoshida or Bednarek a, a run in the side Yeah that's a good shout with the uh, Bednarek the, the, towards the end of the season you played a back three with him and it seemed to get a bit better if I, if I remember correctly he seemed mm-hmm. to impress so yeah it's a decent shout that and um Leanne, from from our point of view, um, the first goal uh, from our point of view, and what what you've took uh, your thoughts on our defence in in this game and overall as well, because obviously Joe Gomez was out for well most of the game. <laughs> yeah, so that that first goal, obviously, it's a phenomenal effort from Jordan Shakiri from the free kick, and it's it's kind of one of those where I was really hoping Shakiri would actually get the goal himself. Um, That's the first just goal, because. <laughs> Oh, flipping out. I'm getting really confused. <laughs> having a mare. Sorry. I am having a mare. Yeah, oh, the own goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, it's... I think um, first goal, positive. As we said there, we were talking about, you know, the the first 10 minutes and it was kind of a an even game in Southampton were very rigid. So to get that first goal, it got us off, off in the right direction and things kind of settled into place there. And it was actually from that kind of moment forward that Liverpool kicked into gear um again there was kind of a collective sense that Liverpool weren't at their best they were still kind of second gear but 
get a goal inside 10 minutes, that sets the tempo for the rest of the game. And Southampton were kind of restricted from then because they they were having to still remain rigid. They didn't want to get embarrassed um, early on. But at the same time, going forward without the likes of um, Danny Ings, who, who's been phenomenal for them so far this season, it was always going to be a struggle. So our defence wasn't really that tested. Um, a couple of times, Joel Matip looked a little bit edgy, but I think it was his first start since March. So, again, that's that's what you expect, really. You can't expect him to come back and, and be faultless. Um, but I think that will that will be really positive for Klopp, especially going into the next couple of games where you've got more defensive options. Dejan Lovren's back as well. So, a couple of things for him to think about. Um, I don't think Matip will be in the starting eleven very much, but when you're looking at the Carabao Cup and, and the FA Cup, which we'll come on to um, in a couple of weeks, um, I, I think he's an option there that Liverpool could use. And, you know, the same being said for Dejan Lovren. Um, Robertson, Trent, same again, very similar performances, really consistent so far this season. And their width was really, really important because I know I've, I've said it to death now, but Southampton midfield was very rigid to begin with. So when you're up against that kind of tight midfield you need your fullbacks to be offering width you need them to be bombing on and that's exactly what we saw um defensively pretty untroubled um from a from a Southampton standpoint um but yeah I think collectively that it was the kind of performance that we've come to expect now defensively from Liverpool yes people will say well you weren't tested if you were you, you don't know what would have happened and yeah there were a couple of edgy moments but I think collectively things just keep improving um Van Dyke marshalling the back four again, and and good to see that his injury wasn't too serious. Thank God. <laughs> oh God, that 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 moment scared the living hell out of me. But we'll we'll go we'll go into that a little bit more in depth later on. But um, Sam, I'll come back to you on this one. Um, midfield seemed to be, I don't want to say a problem area for you, but you seem to have a lot of options and. You're not sure who the first choice is. I'm not sure how consistent the selections mm-hmm. have been, but um, Hoiberg's caught my eye. But do you think the other two spots are up to grabs? Because I know Romeo's caused us problems in the past, but has he has he gone downhill a bit in the last couple of seasons? Yeah, I think I think you're I think you're quite right there. I think um, I think Hughes is looking to build the Lamina Hoiberg partnership. Mm-hmm. Um, Lamina's undoubtedly got ability. Um, I think his problem at times is he can be too casual on the ball. Um, and he can lose it far too often. But I think that's I think that's a partnership that Hughes is going to look to build on. I think Lamina and Hoiberg have almost sort of cemented their places in the past uh, couple of games. You said we do have options. We've got uh, James Will Prowse who can come in. Um, but as you say, Romeo Romeo had his best season for Saints on the Claude Puel. Um, he was fantastic that season, and he we didn't miss Victor Wanyama because of how good Oriol mm. Romeo was. Um, but under uh, under Pellegrino last season, and he hasn't really featured too often this season. He he just looks a shadow of the player that he was. You know, it's hard to comment on whether it was just one one good season for us because he showed glimpses of of, of quality under Kuman under in Kuman's last season for us. So it's difficult to comment on that really. He hasn't um, he hasn't featured too much this season, but as you say, we do have options. Uh, James Will Prowse is a player who can come in, but again, he's 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 caught in a in a position now where he can't be considered as a promising young player anymore. He's been in the squad since the first season back in the Premier League. I'm a fan of Prousey. I think he's he's got quality there, and I think he needs a run of run of games. But it's hard to break in when you've got Hoiberg, who they're similar players, and Hoiberg is the level above him at the moment. And Hoiberg possesses great quality in in passing, long range, short range, and and you saw his goal against Brighton. It's just a phenomenal effort. So he's got that in his locker. But as I said, I think the midfield. In terms of defensively, um, both both Lamina and Hoiberg do look to go go on the attack, and and that's why Romeo was brought in because he's a more mm. more defensive midfielder to try and help screen the back four. But again, it, it's it's difficult to comment on Romeo because we know he's he's a good player, we know he's hot headed, we know he likes to fly into challenges, but it's hard to see him him in this vein of form because we know how good he can be. Um, commenting on Lamina, I think again there's a really good player in there. But I think as as the partnership builds between Hoiberg and Lamina, I think it will grow from strength to strength, but more slowly, more slowly uh, than than quickly, especially in games like Liverpool where they're probably asked to do the defensive side more than than what they'd probably like. But I think, as you said, Hoiberg is is our standout midfielder at the moment. 
Yeah, definitely. And just just to build on that, you mentioned Wanyama. You obviously haven't had, or you've not had a a midfield partnership that's, or from from what I've seen, you've not had a midfield partnership that echoes the one of Schneiderlin and Wanyama. Do you think these mm-hmm. two have got that sort of potential, or do you think they're just uh, a bit different? Uh, I think Hoiberg definitely. I think when Hoiberg came in, he started really positively under under Klopuel, and then he he uh, faded off a bit. I'm not sure if that was due to Puel's uh, consistent changing of the sides. Um, under Pellegrino, he didn't really feature too much as Pellegrino opted to use Will Prowse over, over Hoiberg. But I think Hoiberg definitely possesses to be the player most similar to, to Morgan Schneidlin. Uh, Lamina, I think we're still searching uh, for for that Wanyama replacement. I think Romeo showed that we had one under, under Claude Puel, but since then, under Pellegrino in the start of the season, he, he hasn't been able to show that on a consistent basis. Um, perhaps we, we will look to, to strengthen that. I think we've got the strength and depth in sort of the same midfield areas, but not quite the defensive midfielder that, that Wanyama, the hole that Wanyama left. Mm. No, that's interesting. I'm a big fan of one game. It's obviously a big hole to fill. But, um, Leanne, coming to you, um, we played a midfield two for the first time this season. How, how do you think it went? And I think Henderson in the past has been criticised for not being able to play a midfield two. Did you see any evidence of that? Yeah, I, I did. I, I didn't think he was at his best when we were in that midfield two. I thought he kind of came into the game a lot more when um, James Milner came on and we switched to that midfield three. Um, so I think, you know, it, it was kind of difficult for him because I could see where people are coming from. And a lot of the criticism he gets in that system is that he's not dynamic enough on the ball. Mm. Um, and he's, you know, he's too defensively minded. Uh, the, the usual, are we only passes backwards type of, type of stuff. But I think he was, he was okay. Um, mm. but given how good he was against PSG, I was kind of surprised to see him. It, like his role in the system changed because mm. of of how dynamic and influential he was, and um, I've always said this. I said this on the writers' podcast that I prefer Jordan Henderson as kind of a box to box, utilizing that energy, utilizing that creativity, and really spraying the ball around. And when you're in that midfield too, that's increasingly hard to do because you're basically sat there and you're a blanket. And when Liverpool were were dominant against against Southampton, that I mean, you don't really have any influence on the game. So I think for him, it was just hard to switch from one system to another. And, and that kind of showed. But as I said, once once we moved to a midfield three, I think he came into it a little bit more. He showed a bit more positivity, a bit more control. And um, yeah, I, th- I think he was all right. Decent game. Um, nothing to shout about. But as, as a whole, I prefer our midfield collectively to be a three. Yeah, yeah, fully agree. Similarish for for Ginny. I thought he had a bit of not as good as he was against PSG, as mm. you said for Henderson. Yeah, uh, same again. I think um, Van Allen was slightly better than Henderson, purely because yeah. he was still influential on the ball. But yeah, not as good as he was against PSG. Again, a player who probably is better in that midfield three. But um, good afternoon for him. Um, got forward a little bit more, um, and, and he seems to be doing that this season a lot more than he has in the past, which has been a, a major criticism that he's not really contributing in terms of an attacking sense. So we saw that a little bit more, again, that confidence coming through. Um, but yeah, midfield three suits him a lot better as well. I think the two kind of suits when you've got someone like Shakiri or Naby Keita in the side, who's really going to burst from that midfield. So yeah. you're not as open. And so it, it was probably just a case of Klopp wanting to, to, to tweak the system, to test, to see the flexibility of the team. Uh, to give himself options for the games ahead, but also not really knowing what Southampton are going to do because if they are, which they were in the first 10 minutes, very rigid, very collective, and then hitting you on the counter-attack with someone like Shane Long, that could leave some holes open, um, especially when you've got such a a, a forward-thinking front four uh, with Shakiri coming in. So I, I think it was kind of a bit of both. He was looking to see what options he had, but also... So being wary of the fact that Southampton could have counted with with the likes of Redmond in there as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and Liana, I'll stick with you on this one. Um, second goal, Matic obviously scores. Um, I think I mentioned this on the last two pods. I think you were on the PSG one as well. That we seem to have added um, a different weapon to our arsenal in in terms of the corners. Is this just added on and Matic? Well, people have coined him 50p head, uh, but he finally scored a header. 
Yeah, I think um, we saw that, you know, the the use of the corners and how powerful they can be. It's a really, really good delivery uh, from Trent, I think it was. Yeah, it was, yeah. Um, so, yeah, brilliant outswinging corner, gets it away from the goalkeeper. And Joel Matip, I, I, I'm not a big fan of Matip. I think he's a bit lanky and a bit kind of sloppy in possession, but <laughs> that is his bread and butter. He, he towers over the defender and he gets it top corner, I think. So, phenomenal head, nothing the goalkeeper can do about that and that is something that Liverpool must be working on because we've seen a couple of times this season we're getting chances from the corners and we've not been able to to take them or to put them away and it just so happened um yesterday we were but yeah I think it's it's always good when you've got that ability from set pieces and people like Shakiri and Trent with such good delivery um that that's only going to help so hopefully it's something we see a lot more of this season because as good as Liverpool are in open play some days it doesn't necessarily tick. Um, we we see that with Man City, we see that with Man U and Chelsea, all the big teams. Sometimes when you're not quite on it, that little set piece or that free kick can make all the difference. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and Sam, from your point of view, is, is set pieces coming up, becoming a problem. I think it was it was either match of the day or goals on Sunday that mentioned. Um, you've conceded the most set-piece goals this season. Is it a big worry? I mean, you've got a nine-foot centre-back. I'm not sure how, how he can be a worry, but um, how how quickly is this becoming a big issue? Well, as you say, it is an issue, and it's an issue that needs to be um, addressed by Mark Hughes and the coaching staff. I think plain and simple, Vestergaard lost his man and, and, and Matt it punished him for it. Um, we conceded a set-piece on Monday against Brighton a free kick into the box. I think Shane Duffy lost his man. So two centre-halves scoring against Saints in consecutive games from, from set players. And it is disappointing to see because the first two goals from our point of view are very soft. They're very um, avoidable. Of course, the yeah. first one is a free cone goal and the second one is Vestergaard loses Matip and, uh, and, and as I said, he punished us. So I think Mark Hughes, when he came in, adopted a, a zonal... Uh, marking style from set players at the back end of last season. I, I'm, I'm not sure if it's the same as if it, it's sort of zonal and man marking, but the, and and there seemed to be no one on the back post to to and if there was, who who knows? Someone may have been able to clear that that off the that effort off the line. But as you said, it is starting to become a worry because every time that uh, the opposition get a corner or, or a free kick from a wide position, you 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 worry that it's going to end up in the back of the net. Um, it's just a case of from from yesterday that is Vestergaard lost his lost his man and and Liverpool doubled their advantage. Um, it's just it is it is becoming a worry as I said um, as as these these set plays are becoming avoidable. And I think if you refer back to the game against against Brighton, that that's the the goal that, that ignited their comeback to to draw the game and and, and we dropped two points. So. So, as I said, Mark Hughes and the coaching staff is something they're going to have to work on within the coming weeks to to prevent this becoming a, a, a bigger issue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we were we were there last season. Set pieces were horrendous mm-hmm. for us at the start of last season, and um, well, we bought your big Dutchman <laughs> to fix that. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it, it's a, it's a worry at times for for all clubs. But I'll stick with you, Sam. And um, we, we've kind of mentioned all the positions um, apart from the forward lines and the mm-hmm. game did seem to calm down a bit after the second goal, but yeah. you didn't seem to have a threat. Is that just, I know Shane Long's been been at you for ages and mm-hmm. doesn't really have a good goal record and he's there for his industry and stuff like that, but is it time to move on, do you think? I know Austin's there, Ings wasn't available. How, mm-hmm. what, what do you What would you like to see? Of course, it was disappointing. Obviously, it's... it's um... Well, our task was made harder. Of course, Ings was ineligible to play. Obviously, playing against his parent club, so that made made things harder from the get go. Um, I like the the combination, as you say. The Shane Long isn't. I know it sounds odd to to hear, but his his game isn't goals, which sounds weird being a striker. Yeah. But um, when when he played up alongside Danny Ings, especially away at the Crystal Palace, they worked really well together. I think they complemented each other's strengths and weaknesses really well. Long's got the the. The possess the to to um get away from his marker quickly because he possesses that acceleration and pace. Whereas Ings is is the better finisher, the clinical finisher, and has better movement. So when they play together, they sort of complement each other's weaknesses. Um, today or, or yesterday, I should say, it it was it 
was really really short up front um we we lacked any real threat and we didn't re- we didn't have a shot on target until charlie austin came on late on in the game and he he uh, let fly at goal and that was our only shot on target so it is difficult when you come to a place like anfield and when you set up to to try and catch them on the counter attack and be and be robust and try and stump the stump the front three of liverpool but as i said it's it's not an issue that has just come into fruition it's been an issue ever since mane left since Pella left him in, in the same in the same summer, we opted to to keep we signed Charlie Austin in that January, and unfortunately for him, he's not been able to gain any goal scoring momentum for the club due to his due to his injury record. So, and Jay Rodriguez again when we when we opted to keep hold of him uh, instead of signing anyone in in the summer that we lost Pella and Mane. Um, his injury record again stumped his his growth and his ability to gain any momentum. So it's not a it's not a, a new thing. Gabbiadini came into the club firing on all cylinders and and then has has fought away. He was he was out with a with an injury as well from the game and perhaps had he been fit, maybe he'd started over long and and we would have had a a more clinical finisher out front. And it, that I think yesterday is a wider issue, but yesterday we can't really pen it on that due to. Mm-hmm. Ings, Ings being ineligible to play and Cavadini not being fit to play. So, yes, yesterday was uh, was disappointing to see, but it, it was one of those things that sometimes it just happens in football. Ings can't play and, and your other striker is injured and you're only sort of left with Long and Austin. Something that I was slightly disappointed in was we didn't see appearance from Sam Gallagher. I think yesterday would have been a good opportunity mm. to see him, especially as when you're 2-0 down and... It would have been a good chance in the game, probably as you say. And this, we, we're sure we'll get onto it. But the second half, it was, it was really, you know, the second half was almost signing up for training match, enough of match. So it would have been there's nice. There's a to reason see. there's nothing on the agenda about the second half. <laughs> <laughs> so it would have been nice to see Sam Gallagher get, get some minutes on the pitch. Perhaps he was holding an injury. I'm not I'm not too sure about that. But yeah, it's, it's an issue that we faced for a long time. Ings has started to address that, but again, he wasn't able to play yesterday. So that's why we looked a bit light up front. Yeah, is it is it a similar story in the wide areas? I'm not uh, I'm not sure why Elianusi was missing if, if that's how you pronounce it. But you've yeah. obviously had Bufal um, kind of failed experiment for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, Tadic left. He, he was kind of similar Lalana replacement if you would call him that. But yeah, yeah. Um, what about the wide areas? Because you Redmond seems to be a starter now. Is Elianusi mm-hmm. the other one you'd reckon got uh, that place? Yes, yeah, I'd say so. I think that's what Mark Hughes has done in the past two games against Brighton and, and Crystal Palace. Elianusi and Redmond both started both games. So, yeah, Redmond had a really difficult time last season. Um, he was, his confidence was low. He wasn't being as effective as he could be. And effectively, he was, he was, uh, his, his game suffered for that. This summer, he's, he's worked really hard off the pitch. Um, before preseason, I think he went out to Los Angeles with Daniel Sturridge. To, to work on some fitness out there and, and he's come back looking like a different player. I know he didn't see it yesterday, but mm. against against Brighton especially, he he looks the player that we thought he was going to be. Um, saying that, he does need to push on and he now needs to make these, uh, uh, these uh, glimpses of quality more consistent. But as you say, I think we opted to drop Aoyanusi yesterday for the for the defensive side of the game. And yeah, it was difficult to... to um, to have to do that, but sometimes needs must. And uh, but what was interesting was to see Stuart Armstrong come on yesterday. He looked good in pre-season, but his his appearances at the start of the season has been, have been limited. I'm not sure if again if he was if he's been holding an injury because he did look really bright in pre-season. But um, it was good to see the introduction of him. He looks like someone who can add a bit more creativity in the field and from wide areas. So we've got options there. It's just a case of building a consistent run with with partnerships. And but at the moment, as you say, I think Redmond and Oyanusi will be the starters. No, fair dues. I mean, it, I, I know it's been a, uh, a problem position for a while now. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll, move, we'll move back to a Liverpool point of view. And obviously, Leon, it was Shaqiri's um, starting debut for us. And he was so vital in the third goal with that quality free kick. Uh, what were your thoughts on his overall performance and, and this uh, attempted free kick? Yeah, I think he had a really good game. Um, as you said, there was his debut, uh, debut start, I think uh, they referred to it. Um, but yeah, I think, I think overall he kind of thrived in that number 10 role. His creativity came out, his movement came out. He got the best out of that front three and, and actually out of Mo Salah, who I thought looked a lot brighter than he has potentially in the last couple of games. He was getting on the ball, showing a bit more confidence. Um, and so 
those front three, they're going to love the fact that Shakiri can play that role because he can add that little something, um, something different. And if Naby is not quite on it, he's able to come into the side and provide the chances on a plate in a way that people like Jeannie or Henderson can't. Um, but yeah, I think he had a really, really positive game. He showed his qualities. He showed he can play at this level and he's not a Stoke City uh, quality player. Um, and it, he also kind of reflected the fact that Liverpool have so much more depth than they have in the past just by the fact he can come in and, and play as he did. Um, and yeah, you mentioned that free kick. Phenomenal. Uh, I wanted him to score it just purely because of how good he had been. Um, and that, that that first the first goal was funny because that one went in and it was really actually quite a poor shot from Shakiri. But then the free kick, which was a phenomenal shot, didn't quite go in, didn't quite land for him. Um, but luckily Salah was there. And, and as I mentioned, Salah looked a lot more confident. So it was good to see him back of the goal. But yeah, um, as far as Shakiri is concerned, good performance from him, good start. And um, I look forward to more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the same for me. Um, I, I, I haven't written this down in the agenda, but I'll move it up a smidge. Um, how important is it that Salah got a goal? I know he's been getting, for me, maybe unfair criticism. I think he's now got more goals and assists compared to last season at this time. How important is it that he gets a goal? Yes, his numbers still look pretty good, which is which is quite funny because you can tell that he's not quite on it at the moment. Uh, there was a couple of chances, even in the first half, one where he effectively runs through on goal and then he kind of gets himself in a muddle. He's past the defender, but he somehow gets himself in a muddle and then tries to back heel it into the goal. Um, and you just, yeah, you, <laughs> if it went in, it would have been great. But you're just thinking, come on, Mo, he, he's so obviously overthinking things or trying a little bit too hard. And so it's not quite falling for him, right? Um, and I think that's all it is. There's no need for concern at all. And um, people were saying before the game, I'll oh, give Salah a rest. He's not quite on it. Um, but these are the type of games where you need someone like Salah just to keep plugging away. And, and he did get his goal. So really, really good for him and his confidence. Um, and yeah, the, the numbers are looking good. It's just whether he can just kind of, I don't know, take a deep breath and calm down. It's almost like he's carrying the weight and the pressure from last season and how good he was. Mm. And he's thinking, oh, God, people need me to get 30, 40 goals again. They're expecting me to get this again. I've not I'm not coming into the team and people are, are questioning whether I can do it. They've seen me do it. And now I've got to do it again. And that overthinking is just playing on his mind a little bit. But I fully expect him to still have a really good season. 30 goals I'm going to go for. Um, and again, integral in terms of how Mane and Firmino play as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's, he's such a good player. It'll, it'll eventually click, and I think most of us know that. But, um, Leon, I'll stick with you. Um, Half time comes about, and you see us bring on Milner for Shakiri. Um, first of all, do you think that was the right decision, bringing Milner on? And secondly, do you think it was Shakiri who should have went off? I think it was a little bit strange, just because I would have, I would have brought on Abby Cater, just because I think. A couple of times, Cater's looked a little bit jaded, not quite fitting into the system. And so, 2-0, obviously, we know that the second half was then a doddle, so it's easy for me to say this. Um, but 2-0 is never actually a safe scoreline, so I can understand going for Milner, who's a bit more um, compact in that midfield. Um, but yeah, Naby Cater, this would have been a good opportunity for him just to keep plugging away, getting to know uh, the system and, and really getting some more minutes, because I think he'll he'll really come into it when we're facing the likes of Napoli and, and Man City. Um, but apart from that, yeah, mid, midfield then switched to a three, didn't it? And Henson looked better. Um, they all looked better and it, it mm. just kind of clicked a little bit more. Um, so I can understand why Klopp weren't for Milner. And I do think um, Shakiri was probably the person to, to make way. I think that was the correct call because I don't think um, bringing off Genie would have made too much sense given he was kind of the defensive anchor. So it was it was really between Shakiri and Henderson and yeah two 0 preserve Shakiri who's probably going to play on Wednesday um, allow Henderson some more minutes because I think he he will probably have a a big role to play in the next few weeks as well so yeah it, it all made sense it's just from a from a hindsight point of view given how easy the second half was it would have been nice to see someone like Naby Keita come in yeah yeah I agree with you there it would have been nice to see Naby but. Mil- I think you get know what you're getting from Milner, and I think Klopp maybe went safety first with that one, but uh, we'll move on from that. And Sam, 
I've pretty much tried to avoid everything on field from that second half because it was awful <laughs> for both clubs. So I've put down here the Mark Hughes debate. I know mm-hmm. you, you kind of touched on it on the, on the preview pod and stuff like that. But what 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 are your thoughts on him then? Because I know it's, when you brought him in, there was kind of a a debate whether he was the right man coming off a mm-hmm. horrible time with Stoke. But what what are your thoughts on him and what's his long term future with the club? Personally, I'm I'm a I'm a fan of Marquis. I think he's a good fit for the club. Um, I think we've both sort of come together at the right time in 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 both sort of in both positions. I think Marquis needed a, a a club to to rebuild his reputation, and we're a club that wants to rebuild our reputation. So I think we come together at a good time. Um, talking about his misfortunes and our misfortunes, I don't think it's a Mark Hughes issue. I mm. if you look back at Puel, Pellegrino, and Hughes. The, the patterns on the pitch are they're the same struggles and the same same vulnerabilities. So I, I, I don't think it's a Mark Hughes issue right now. Uh, can, I, can he do uh, uh, things to better it? Of course. But I think there's a psychological thing within the club and within the group of players at the moment, which is just holding us back. It's, it's hard to put a finger on what that is. Um, but as I said, I think I, I'm a big fan of Mark Hughes, and I think he's come in at, a, at, a, at the right time for the club because the, the the morale was low when he came in. The Pellegrino football wasn't working; it was turgid, it was defensive, it was negative, and it, and it had a real effect on the squad's confidence. And I think Mark Hughes, he, one of his strengths is man management, and I think some of those players needed someone like Mark Hughes to come in, you know, maybe put the arm around the shoulder and and boost that again. Um, again, there's always a worry. With with Marquis because of his managerial record at, at, at QPR and then at the back end of his Stoke tenure, um, but in in reality, what what manager that Saints are going to attract doesn't have that. I think whoever you go for in our position is going to have a few botched jobs on 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 their CV. So I think time it's not the time to worry. I think it's it's time to get behind behind the players. I think we've got. We've got games now, and we've got Wolves away next weekend, which is going to be a tough game. But I think we, he he needs more time until the alarm bells truly start ringing. Mm. Um, I think he's just starting to work out his best partnerships on the pitch and the best formations with, with the players to play. And I think okay, that could be a criticism because maybe he should have figured that out before. Um, and perhaps he's the difficult thing for him is. Throughout pre-season, he, he he was trying to train and try and play the three at the back that that worked well at the end of last season, and and he sort of scrapped that early doors. So he's he's gone back to the four at the back, which personally I think is better for us. Mm. But it's hard for it's hard to see him try and implement a style of play with the formation, and then and then as soon as things don't go quite right on the pitch, that's already out the window. So that's a criticism. As I said, there's at this moment in time, who, who can say it's attracts to the club who who is better than Marquis at the moment? And in my opinion, there isn't. I think there's going to be there's always clubs. It's always a club, you know. There's always a question on which club's going to flinch first and and try and appoint Sam Allardyce to keep them up. Um, I don't think that will be us. I think we'll give Mark the amount of time, and I think Mark Hughes will will turn it around. I think, as, as I said, I think it's not a Mark Hughes issue. I think it's a psychological thing within the club at the moment and within the group of players that 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 will come with time. And I think I thought after the Crystal Palace result. Uh, a two nil away away victory a clean sheet away from home is what the lads needed but then then we go we play Brighton at home and we, we throw away a two nil lead and obviously that's going to have an effect on the players confidence especially at the back so personally as I said I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Mark Hughes I think he's got the, the, the qualities as a manager that which we need right now um, and and as I said unless things are going uh, uh, terribly, terribly wrong. In by the end of November, start of December time, then maybe that's when you start to think about making a change managerially. But I, I personally, I don't think that come. Do I think that we're going to be in for for a good season? Yes and no. I don't think we can expect too much. I, I, I'm not too sure what some some people are expecting from from us this season. We finished 17th last year, and we knew that this year again would would be a hard season. Hopefully, obviously not as hard as last year. But I, as I said I don't I don't see anyone better than Marquis coming in at the moment no that's pretty fair and um, you, you mentioned there maybe you, you're not sure what the problem is do you think it might be the recruitment because you obviously back in the day picked up proper bargains mm-hmm. from Scotland it, I mean, I've used one Yama and Van Dyke as, you, mm-hmm. as your examples and the last few big signings you've got I used Boofal as an example earlier yeah. your Boofals your 
is it Carrillo who you got in, yeah. in January yeah. who uh, yeah let's not talk about it uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but do you, do you think recruitment is probably one of the biggest areas the, these big money signings haven't really paid off at all yeah that that that's spot on really I think the model for Saints was sort of bringing uh, unearthed gems develop them into to to the players that we that we see today, as you say, Ranyama, Van Dijk, Sadio Mane, you know, fantastic players, and which we got on the cheap. How didn't you know. I put Mane in? Really? <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, but again, it, but by selling these players off, um, you know, after two years of them, two or three years of them playing for the club, that model isn't sustainable because there's always you can't always bank on players becoming becoming the players that we've seen. I think. There is a hell of a lot of luck in 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 that happening. Of course, there's the, it, it was a model that worked, and I think. But there's now looking back on it in the position that we are, less of less have come off than have come off. I can think of a couple. We sold Morgan Schneiderlin for for twenty five thirty million to Manchester United, and we brought in Jordi Classy for eight million. Now he's gone back out on loan to to Feyenoord after being on loan to Club Bruges last year. As you say, Guido Carrillo is coming. It wasn't even a. It, that was that screamed panic buy on on the last day of the window because we needed a player in we needed a striker he wasn't the striker that we needed um he was very much a Pellegrino buy because Pellegrino worked with him at Estudiantes um as you say Creo Buffal hasn't worked so as I said looking back at it now less you know more often than not than they haven't worked out um it is difficult though I think it's hard to to keep expecting the club to bring in those types of players and I think the club has respect for for doing what they have done but it's okay to sell players as long as the replacement is, is sufficient enough and mm-hmm. and in the past this isn't the sufficient the, the replacement haven't been good enough i think cedric came in to replace klein um he's shown glimpses and he's he has been a good performer but recently he hasn't been quite at it and and then you think if i had the choice of a, a prime nathaniel klein for southampton or cedric at the moment i'd i'd choose klein um, the the main one I think that has worked out and still continues to work out was Ryan Birch and that was the the best bit of business we've done in order to replace Luke Shaw. I think that was a fantastic. But as you say, the model wasn't. It turned out to be not as sustainable, and it and it's it's difficult to see. But as I said, we can't expect those players to to keep popping up um, because the scouting system of the bigger clubs are getting better and they're are finding them instead and then if you have an option of of these um clubs or us and i think it's difficult i think we tried to get uh james madison from norwich mm. he looks to be a fantastic player i think it was we both us and leicester had a both had bids accepted and he, and he chose leicester for obvious obvious reasons you know champions of england a couple of a couple of seasons ago so you can't really begrudge that and now that's the thing it's we may find these players but we're now no longer an attractive option for them to come and develop which is which is a hard, hard thing to accept in reality no it's a shame because i mean i think teams used to look at look at saints with a bit of jealousy went towards the scouting scouting department but yeah i, I, I do agree with what you said their club seem to have um smartened up in in that regard uh, and, and maybe learned to go go to the club before he becomes big yeah <laughs> but um leanne not much happens in the second half for us i, I know salah scores a, a goal up when he pretty much comes from pretty much the crowd and he scores um, <laughs> Milner had about three goals at scoring a goal cleared off the line and a couple saves but um, biggest thing for us is that VVD came off injured uh, I think it's pretty much been confirmed that it's nothing serious but um, how much of a worry was that and how do you think we'd do without him because obviously we've got the Carabao Cup and I doubt he'll play there now but what? how do you think how big an impact do you think his missing would be if touch wood where's my wood there's wood. <laughs> um, touch wood that he did get an actual injury. Yeah, I think it would it would obviously be a massive blow. Um, we've talked about it already, um, but the the way Van Dyke handles not only himself but the whole back four, constantly seen talking to everyone around him. Um, Robertson, Trent. There, there's a lot of young people in that Liverpool team, and it's not just the defence. He does it too. He does it with the midfield as well. Even though there's experience in there with with the likes of James Milner and Jordan Henderson. But I love the way he communicates with everyone. He knows exactly what's going on. He's always looking to improve as well. So you know, we might get a clean sheet, but he'll be shouting at Robertson or Trent to stop the cross coming in in the first place. Um, and he's always looking for that improvement. So I think he's that communication, that leadership 
is really, really important. And we've seen that since he since he moved from Southampton. Um, what a big difference he's made to the overall defensive picture at Liverpool. So it would be a big blow. And, um, you know, you spoke there about Wednesday. I don't think he's going to uh, play against Chelsea. But if, if he was out maybe against uh, Chelsea for the league game or, again, touch wood, um, that he's not and he is fine, which seems to be the case. But... Yeah, it would become quite difficult because then you'd have probably Deja Lovren and Joe Gomez. And that would mean uh, Lovren is therefore the most experienced defender and has to take up that leader role, which he's not very good at. Uh, that kind of sees him make a lot more mistakes. So I think it's it's not that we've got a one-man defence and that all hopes rely on Van Dijk, but he is really, really crucial to the whole picture. And I think Klopp sees that, and that's probably why he was taken off as a precaution more than anything. Because as soon as he went down, every Liverpool fan in the world, their their heart must have been in their mouths because there was this collective panic of, oh, God, not Van Dijk, anyone but Van Dijk. And that kind of says it all, really. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Sam, interestingly, basically we've bought a lot of players off you, but we have bought two centre-backs off you in, in, in recent times. I mean, well, firstly, your thoughts on Van Dijk and how well he's done since joining Liverpool and your feelings on Dejan Lovren, because he is a very, <laughs> very div- <laughs> um, strange figure at Liverpool, especially in the fan base. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on the pair and how, how do you think they've both done from kind of an outsider looking in? Um, mm-hmm. uh, Van Dijk has become the player that, that we knew he was going to be, 100%. Um, he's just a top-class centre back and, and there's no two ways about it. Um of course when when both players left in the sort of same fashion they both sort of forced moves away, which from a fan's point of view, as I say fans point of view, is never nice to see and that's why both get a a bad reception when they when they come back to, to St Mary's. Um as we said, Van Dijk looking at him yes we can begrudge the way he left the club, but you can't begrudge the fact that he wanted to leave and, and better his game. I think that's mm-hmm. that's something that Personally, I can accept as a as a Samson fan is that when you know a player is 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 that good, and he wants to move away, then sometimes you just have to let him. Of course, the way he left did leave a sour taste um, in in the mouths of Saints fans. But Dejan Lovren is uh, is a is a difficult uh, person to talk about. Um, <laughs> he left the club, as I said, in in the same fashion, forced to move away um, after 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 a solid first season of Saints. I, I think he was he, he was a, a good player for us. Yeah, he, he had a mistake in him, um, which has been seen at Liverpool. Yes, um, yes, it has. <laughs> so for, for, for Dejan Lovren, he's not the most liked figure at, at Southampton, and uh, it's always nice to see him not doing so well. And and then he uh, fueled his own fire by coming out with uh, his his remarks about himself at the World Cup. So um, I'm sure that'll, uh, as as I said, add fuel to the fire. Again, um, Van Dijk is a top top class centre back, one of the one of the best in the world up there with. In my opinion, up there with Sergio Ramos and uh, and PK, I think he's he's an exceptional player. So we can't begrudge him in terms of wanting to to go on and play in Champions League finals because that's ultimately where he deserves to be. Dejan Lovren, on the other hand, um, it's it's nice to see him not being able to get into the side. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I appreciate a bit of snide. I won't lie, I love it. Um, but there's not much else I wanted to ask in, in, in the second half. It was that duller game. Um, but, Leanne, your overall thoughts on the game and and anything that you think needs to happen in the next couple of games? Um, yeah, just lots of positivity about Liverpool at the moment. Um, seven wins from seven. Uh, not many goals conceded. Defensive pitcher looks really, really solid. Obviously, first win in the Champions League as well against PSG, which is a bit of a statement to make. And I think, yeah, just collectively, when the likes of Shakiri and Sturridge have come into the team, they've done really well, which bodes well in terms of the rotation we're going to need over the next couple of weeks in games. So looking ahead to the Carabao Cup on Wednesday, a lot of people have discounted it and the competition as a whole because sort of who cares when you're trying to win the Premier League title. And while I agree, I think it'd still be nice for Liverpool to have a cup run to potentially get Klopp's first trophy. Um, so I'm intrigued to see how he kind of approaches that one. Um, and then Chelsea in the league, we've got Man City, we've got Napoli, some really, really big games coming up. So we've done well so far, but hopefully we can hold it down uh, over the next couple of weeks. And, and that will really be a true test of Liverpool's title credentials. 
Yeah, absolutely. And Sam, same question to you. Your overall thoughts on this game and and what's next? For, what do you want to see happening for uh, Saints in the coming future? Um, to be honest, thoughts on the game is probably what we expected. Uh, Liverpool are a top side, top European side now. And um, I know it sounds really pessimistic, but it could have been a lot worse. 3-0 isn't uh, the worst scoreline. Teams are going there and losing 4-5. and five. So from our from our point of view, OK, it was a disappointing afternoon, um, but we expected it to be disappointing. So we can't really begrudge that. The, these aren't the games which are going to accumulate the most of our points. These, are in, in some respects, you can look at them as, as extra games in the seasons with, with chances to gain extra points. So for us, it, it was disappointing to see us concede the goals that we did. They were, they were soft goals, but as I said, Liverpool possess the, the amount of quality to, to win team, win games and, and put teams to bed. Um, up, up next for us, we've got, we've got difficult games in and amongst Games where we should be picking up points. I think Wolves away next weekend will be really interesting to see. Of course, Wolves picked up a great point away to Old Tra- at Old Trafford, so it's not going to be an easy game for us. Um, followed by Everton in the cup. Again, a cup run. It is nice we've had a couple in the past couple of seasons. Uh, Everton away is a ground that we don't really have much luck on. Um, and then followed by Chelsea at home, then Bournemouth away and, and Newcastle at home. So there's games in there which we could pick up points that they're not easy games by by the stretch of the imagination but um what i'd like to see personally from saints is is in those games where we can pick up points is having a real good go um and i think we will do ings, ings will be back gabby dean will hopefully be back from injury so we will have a bit more fire up front yeah yeah all good shouts all good shouts but uh we'll come we'll come to uh plugs now sam you got anything you want to plug just um, head to that Fresh Saints on Twitter and freshsaints.com for, for articles and, and tweets uh, coming up within the next few days. Good stuff. And Leon, uh, anything you want to plug? Uh, yeah, just the writer's pod from me. Um, obviously, I'm involved and co-host that with Tom Holmes. Um, so if you haven't listened to that, definitely check it out or um, check me out on Twitter at underscore LFC Leanne. Good stuff, definitely a good follow as well. Um, but I've been your host, Guy Drinkle. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for joining me, you two. Goodbye. Let's get ready to rumble! Podcast Network.